Chelsea versus no. Oh, number eighteen, Aston Villa. Oh, you're joking! You are joking. Chelsea, why? <laughs> oh. Hello and welcome back to another Villa on Tour podcast. I'm your host, Max Stokes, as ever, joined for the first time in 2024 by Simon Lyons. Simon, how are you, mate? You all good? Yeah, I'm doing well, thank you. Happy New Year to everybody. It's the time of the year, isn't it, where you're sort of in the office, small talk, how was your Christmas, how was, how was your New Year, that sort of time, isn't it? I'm still saying it, to be honest with you. I'm still saying it because I've just been, I avoided all meetings last week because I was in this sort of <laughs> post-Christmas slump and so this week I'm still saying Happy New Year, unfortunately. So, yeah, how long that'll go on for? I don't know, I reckon another, I reckon another a couple of weeks or so. Yeah, take it to fair point. Yeah. Anyway, it's it's been a good while since the last podcast, hasn't it? I think we'll talk about the Christmas period sort of in this. I think it's sort of done now. By that I mean sort of the Sheffield United game, Man United, Burnley. Those results, a win, draw and a loss. It's been sort of an average Christmas. If you take the Middlesbrough game and the FA Cup out the equation before that, fairly average festive period for Villa. Um, I suppose if you take it just on those three games, I suppose so. But I think if you include the games before that, you know, winning at Brentford, beating Man City, beating Arsenal in this, all in December, I think you'd say we had a pretty successful successful month results-wise, definitely. There's a lot of other things to take into account. You know, maybe performances haven't been as good as they mm-hmm. were. Maybe we've entered a slightly bit of a kind of, not, not a slump, but a kind of like a, you know, like not a great spell in terms of how we've been playing. But we've still got points on the board, you know, valuable points on the board. So you've got to be reasonably, well, no, not reasonably, but you've got to be absolutely delighted moving into the new year, sort of second in the Premier League table. Absolutely, can't complain with that. Most certainly the low light being that Man United away game on Boxing Day. Don't really want to talk um, about that at all. In the show, we're going to start with some FA Cup uh, talk. We were two of the 4,400 villains at Middlesbrough over the weekend. That was a very, very good trip. There'll also be a bit of league chat, of course. We'll look at the wider picture in terms of Villa's fixtures, how the Premier League table's looking, the sides around us, and a few off-the-field bits and bobs as well, including the badge saga, which I can't wait to come on to. There's a few of your questions as well off Twitter, so thank you everyone who got involved in that, incorporated throughout the show. Just before we do get into the show, then please do leave a review, where whatever you're listening on, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, please do leave a review and do subscribe so you never miss an episode. That really does help us out. So then, Si, we've literally just come off the back of the FA Cup draw. Chelsea away, another Premier League side away. Yes, it wasn't Manchester United, but it's not uh, It's not ideal in terms of, well, I, I sort of wanted a new ground. There wasn't too many of them for me, but someone like an Eastleigh, a Maidstone, but it didn't quite happen, did it? Chelsea away for us. Yeah, a little bit annoying. It's one of them, we've had them numerous times before, and especially in the League Cup, not so much the FA Cup, but um, especially in the League Cup. And we're away again. It just feels like, okay, I know mm. we had Stevenage at home last season, which didn't go to plan but it feels like we have an awful lot of away cup games doesn't it and so yeah a little bit frustrated I I, I wanted a home tie realistically you know obviously you've got more chance of winning if it's at home and still a winnable game it'll be a tough game though because obviously Chelsea picked up recently and they've got some They've got some mm. good players in that squad, and um, and so it will be it will be a tough game, won't it? Without a doubt. But obviously, we'll go down there with a good sort of six thousand Villa fans, won't we? So 
yeah, it, uh, it'll, it'll be a good day, but probably a big test, really. Yeah, I guess that's one of the positives, isn't it? I mean, I spoke to plenty of people at the weekend in Middlesbrough, and they were sort of saying it's their first away game. Lots of lots of kids up in Middlesbrough, Villa fans, who are, it's their first away game. So I guess it'll be similar. Obviously, like you said, Chelsea give us a, a massive allocation. I'm sure we'll have the whole of that end beyond the goal. So that's that's a positive. But again, been to Chelsea plenty, plenty of times. But I'm sure it'll be a good day as long. I'm sure it'll be on TV as well. We were just talking about that, weren't we? Off air, yeah. like it, it'll probably be on TV, whether it'll be a, a Friday night or a Monday night. If that's on a Saturday, again, a half five, I'd take that. That should be a decent occasion. Yeah, yeah, it should. Yeah, I, I think I think you're right. It'll be on TV. I don't think there's too many standout games, really, apart from the uh, uh, Tottenham-Man City one, which is the other one. Maybe the Maidstone one away at Ipswich, but apart from that, I don't think there's like many, many massive you know, mm. sort of ties. So I'd expect us to uh, yeah, to be on TV. Right, so let's talk about the FA Cup game that has just happened. Obviously, our trip up to Middlesbrough. It was a long old day, wasn't it? It felt like the, probably the longest of the season. I know Newcastle's further, but obviously we make weekends of Newcastle whenever we go up there. So it doesn't quite feel, the journey doesn't feel as long. But Middlesbrough, that coach journey, thank God it was a half five kickoff because it meant the coach was a little bit late. I think it was, it was 9am, wasn't it? Mm. That was a three o'clock one. It would have been sort of half six so that's rough but long old day wasn't it on Saturday yeah yeah it was and that coach on the way back just felt like forever didn't it um finally <laughs> arrived back at what was it like I don't know quarter to, half 11 quarter to midnight or something like that so yeah, yeah it was a, a long old day um but yeah worth it obviously Villa Villa win Villa progress which is what we want to say I always think it though but we are lucky aren't we that we support sort of Villa in the Midlands like that's probably as, as bad as it's going to get in terms of away trips mm. like fair play to Plymouth, Exeter, Newcastle, Sunderland, Middlesbrough fans, that that's basically the norm for them, isn't it? I guess like coming to Villa from wherever they're coming from, whether it's the south, the north or the south, it's it's not too bad. So I mean, we moan about our trips. Imagine supporting one of them. Oh I know. I always think like I knew when um like in recent years like Newcastle have been uh drawn against like Plymouth and well, do you remember we went to that we went to that game didn't we back in League One when it was Plymouth against Sunderland and it was uh, yeah, wasn't it an, nil, nil. Wasn't it an early <laughs> wasn't it an early kickoff as well I would have made that up I might have made yeah, that up but, might have been. but yeah I just imagine that like it must be absolutely terrible leaving in like the middle of the night or something I think it's the I think it's Plymouth for me like you've got yeah you've got all the South Coast clubs but Plymouth is just that little bit further isn't it yeah. I'll say a little bit further it's that, it's a lot further I mean you see on Twitter all the time Plymouth fans leaving at 2 3am in the morning even on the night before before leaving like absolute credit to them especially obviously not being a club in the Premier League just uh, I don't know why Plymouth are getting a shout out but fair play to them um, it was a good day out though wasn't it I like a half five kickoff I always like going to Middlesbrough as well I don't how many times have you been up there? Two or three times. Me, similar as well. Got some decent memories up there. Obviously, in the the playoff semi-final, uh, the 3-0 win in the season, we got promoted from the championship. Glenn Whelan scoring in front of the away end. Had some decent trips up there, haven't we? Yeah, and I think a couple of mine like, predate that as well. I went to the uh, the last day of the season one when Stuart Downing broke his ankle for Middlesbrough just before he signed for Villa, weirdly. Um, and then I went to the one when we won 3-0. I remember Olaf Malberg scoring for Villa. Under Martin O'Neill in the arc, he's uh, what his second season in charge, and that was a, and that was a, a memorable one as well. I don't think I've ever seen Villa lose at Middlesbrough actually, so it's quite um, it's quite a happy hunting ground. I think I've seen us, I think I've seen us win three now and draw one maybe. Yeah, so pretty happy hunting ground for Villa, the Riverside Stadium. So yeah, yeah, always quite enjoy it. Yeah, been up there four times myself now. Uh, never seen us concede a goal, so that's good. You know, one that doesn't get talked about a lot as well. That Snodgrass header. Yeah. I think it was. Was that second season under uh, second season in the championship? Obviously under Bruce, late header arriving. That was just absolutely. I think that was in the early days of Villa on tour as well. Really underrated away trip that was. Yeah, I always remember that because Bruce Brucey was under a little bit of pressure at that point, and uh, mm. we went to Middlesbrough. You were thinking he really needs a win today, otherwise we're going to sort of slip 
down you know down down that championship table and uh obviously Snodgrass pulls it. We weren't great that day either, but Snodgrass sort of pulled no. it out, didn't he, at the back post and uh, yeah, yeah, we got the one nil win. But yeah, which was another another good away day, but I do enjoy Middlesbrough, it's good. Yeah, that was it was sort of towards the end of December, wasn't it? Yeah. It would have been twenty seventeen. I remember him bringing on um Hepburn Murphy as well. And then when that I don't know who crossed the ball in, but when that ball was in the air, I could have sworn it was Hepburn Murphy that was gonna get the header and nod it in, but it wasn't, <laughs> it was Snodgrass. Um but yeah, a, a random random chat about that away day. We made our feelings sort of clear on Villarantor on the on the video of the weekend. If you haven't already checked that out go and watch that one it was a decent one um about the fa cup obviously there's been a lot of talk in the week leading up to the game about how seriously you should take it this that and the other but we said it in the card and we on the video that it doesn't really need to be a choice at the moment sort of premier league or fa cup go all in for one or the other at the moment when you've got the whole weekend free for a designated fa cup game it's not a midweek or anything like that i think you can juggle both at this current stage yeah, definitely. And I think um, in terms of January's fixtures, I mean, Middlesbrough was only um, one of three fixtures that we've got in the whole of January. And so there was no there was no sort of gun to your head moment on the weekend thinking, do we have to mm. uh, do we have to go really strong or, or do we just play, you know, the kids kind of thing? I don't think that was the, I don't think that was the decision, if I'm being honest. The players have got a fair amount of time off. They've had they've had a bit of time off recently as well. I remember we've had a week between well over a week between between the last league game and, and, and Middlesbrough on, on Saturday. And so um yeah, it was a busy December period, but I think once that uh, once that Burnley game had finished, I think uh, yeah, I think the fixture list looked a lot sort of kinder and like I say, three games in January, it's not exactly um it's not exactly mad, is it? And so um yeah, the players will be getting some good time off and I think with the Conference League not starting back up till um, till early March, March the seventh. In terms of the team selection, I don't think it was ever going to be that. You know, or we've gone really weak because I don't think yeah. we've got the squad to do that. If I'm being honest, it's not like we've got like a plethora of youngsters in the under twenty ones who are ready to sort of step in either, is it? Because so many of them are out on loan. It's not like we could just name seven of the of the of the under twenty ones because they're just not ready, are they? A lot of our under twenty ones are our under eighteen players who have been sort of promoted mm. into the twenty one setup. So yeah, I think we were always going to go strong. We were always going to make a few changes as we did. Um but that's what we've been doing throughout the season really in, in all competitions, haven't we? Other players have been getting game time because I think the manager He's, you know, he's trying to utilise his whole squad. We've got eight days after the Middlesbrough game, haven't we, till our next Premier League uh, game away at Everton on Sunday. And then you've got a winter break the weekend after. So you've got, you're going to have two weeks then between sort of Everton and the Newcastle game at the end of January, even more than two weeks, because that's a, that's a midweek one, isn't it? But I love the FA Cup and we sort of make it a thing of it, don't we, on Villa on Tour. Every single year, whether it's the League Cup or the FA Cup, we always sort of say the magic of the Cup. This is going to be our year. But I think, and obviously we've just talked about it, we've got Chelsea away now, but I think we've got a real chance. Now we're such a strong side and we haven't got sort of previous years we've been worrying about, oh, we've got to focus on staying in the league. We've got to focus on promotion, disregard the FA Cup. But now we're such a well-drilled, established side with a, I say in quotation marks, cup manager because of what happened at Steve Nidge and Everton earlier on in the season. But with this stronger side, you feel like we've got a serious, serious chance. And in a cup game, one-off game, you really do fancy us against anyone, don't you? Yeah, I think so. I look, I think all Villa fans we we want to see success and success fundamentally in football is winning trophies and um you know it's not something I've ever seen Villa do but unless you count in the the player final which obviously we're not going to do that. The FA Cups the only trophy that they haven't seen Villa win like the from the older from the older uh, fan group. Um and so yeah, it does provide a big opportunity. We, we've had a, a bit of a stinking record, really, in the FA Cup since 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 that time in 57, really. Yeah. Obviously, we got to the Cup final a few times and 
we didn't turn up against Chelsea in 2000. We got batting against Arsenal in 2015. And so it's a competition that we'd love to win, of course. It is. It's a steeped in tradition. I think teams go strong in it these days. I think for a few years, the FA Cup went through like a lull period, didn't it? When everyone was sort of uh, questioning its sort of credentials as a major trophy again. But I think it's recovered itself, really. And I, I think, you know, like, and, I, and to be fair, I think that's down to some of the teams like Man City over recent years who have taken it seriously by playing sort of four-strength yeah. teams. And, um, you know, I think um, I think it has regained that bit of hype around it, sort of thing. Um, and so, yeah, I'd, I'd love to, I'd love to go and to go and have a run and to go and win it because we crave silverware, don't we? we absolutely crave silverware, and I, I know we're in this sort of weird position this year where you know people are asking, or oh, would you like that, or would you like the Champions League, or would you like to concentrate on the Conference League? And I keep saying you just got to concentrate one game at a time and just try and win your next match, kind of thing. And yeah, I think look, if Villa if Villa didn't win the FA Cup this season, but we managed to reach our aims by getting into the Champions League and potentially winning a Conference League, then I, I wouldn't exactly be devastated. You know, it'd be an incredible season, mm. but I'd still love us to win it. Yeah, definitely. And I remember throwing this question at you not not too long ago about whether whether you would rather get in the Champions League or win the FA Cup this season. But obviously, we can do both. But for the I think I can sort of see it from two sort of perspectives, from a Villa perspective for the club and for the wider sort of scope on things I'd want us to get Champions League because of all the reasons that we've listed so many times about the revenue streams attracting players whatever whatever but speaking from a fan who's been going home and away since we were pretty terrible in the championship I would love nothing more than a day out at Wembley and winning a trophy and can you imagine John McGinn lifting that FA Cup can you imagine how special that would be don't get me wrong Champions League at Villa Park would be absolutely incredible it would but just that day out at Wembley and winning, obviously the playoff final was was great for different reasons, but to win something as, as major as the FA Cups, like you said, it's got so much tradition, so much history. I think that would just, just be so special to me. So if, if, if you did have a gun to my head, yes, I'd probably choose Champions League, but that's because of what it can do for the club. For me as a fan, it would be winning the FA Cup that day out at the end of May at Wembley. It would be simply incredible. Yeah, and I, and I think that you've just hit the nail on top of the head. I think from a, a realistic club standpoint, they would prefer to get into the Champions League just because, you know, a club like us at the moment, we, we sort of, we're not in that realm of our, our revenues being in the same positions as like Chelsea, the Spurs even, you know, the mm. Man City's, et cetera, Liverpool. Um, and, you know, we're having success this season, but for us to have sustained success over a period of time, we probably need to be in the Champions League and with the revenue that brings... That's quite a sad thought as a football supporter, though. And so, you know, as you say, football is all about winning trophies. And so as the regular match-going fan, obviously we would love to go out and win win a trophy but the thing is I don't I don't I don't think it's as black and white as that this this season and I think that's because of the squad we've got the manager we've got I think I don't think we've got exactly like a brilliant first 11 and then everyone else is absolutely rubbish like we've had that in the past where our first 11's been you know sort of decent and then the squad players have just been non-existent mm. you might as well not even think about them I don't think it's quite like that anymore really I think we've got a healthy kind of squad yes we've had a few injuries recently and we're still battling through that but um, we've seen that ro- you know we really have rotated players in the Conference League etc. This season, even in the Premier League, we've done it a little bit. Uh, like at Bournemouth, for instance, we were trying out new things that day against Bournemouth away, and we still managed to get a point in the last minute. And um, and so I think we have got the squad that can, that can compete on 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 different fronts. And where that leads us to, I don't know. Like the Chelsea Chelsea away in the FA Cup is a tough tie. It's a really tough tie, and so it wouldn't be. I know we're quite a bit ahead of Chelsea at the moment, but they're sort of building. They're putting the building blocks back in place to sort of be yeah. become successful again, aren't they? And so 
I don't think it's an easy game us going to Stamford Bridge and you know us losing wouldn't be an absolute disgraceful result, would it? It wouldn't be like the going out to Stevenage last season. And so mm. it's one of them. I'd love look, I'd love us to win the FA Cup, but if we don't, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be ultra sad about it because I know that we've got an incredible manager and an incredible team who are well positioned to win some kind of you know, sort of some kind of titles within the next sort of few years, hopefully. Yeah, and I guess it's kind of hard to judge, isn't it, until you sort of an hour before kickoff, until you see what I mean. We talked about how strong Villa could potentially go in the FA Cup, but what sort of side Chelsea put out there? I know they've got a million players on their books. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. Mm. What do you reckon a Newcastle fan would say now if you ask them now? Would you rather have had the season you had? Everything was as it was. You got in the Champions League. You played those those six games in the Champions League group stages against Milan, Dortmund, and PSG. Or would you have rather won the FA Cup last season and finished seventh? I think Newcastle, it would do a lot for them. That's not just the Champions League done for them. Is it? It's going to do amazing things for them in years to come, even if they don't qualify this season or whatever, whatever. But as a fan, imagine having that sort of FA Cup. Yes, we won it in 2023. You can have that. You've got that. That's in your pocket. Champions League for them as a fan, a Newcastle fan, it's sort of done now, isn't it? And that's the only that is the only issue. You know, you get into the Champions League, but that's not the be all be all and end all. You have to really you know get into the knockout rounds, and then you have to qualify for the Champions League again the following season to to sort of keep that revenue stream coming in and to be that sort of consistent top level club. And Newcastle have been a little bit unfortunate in terms of circumstance in terms of getting through the group. I mean, they were massively yeah. hard done by, weren't they, in terms of getting through the group? <laughs> and yeah, they haven't performed quite well enough in the Premier League so far this season and maybe Champions League will be maybe a, a push too far for Newcastle this season. So in terms of the question that you're asking, I think if you did ask Newcastle fans, I mean, Newcastle have had a, a longer wait than Villa to win trophies, a, a much yes. longer wait. Um, and so Newcastle would Newcastle fans, I, I think, would probably look back now in hindsight and say, we'd have probably rather won the FA Cup. Um, I look back at like Leicester all the years ago, I and mean, Leicester won the Premier League. Um, and like you know, that really should have set Leicester up for years and years and years to come. But mm. it's a little bit of a flash in the pan, wasn't it? They had a they had a decent run in the Champions League the following year, I seem to remember. And then they they sort of you know flirted with Europa League, Conference League, etc. But then obviously they ultimately got relegated after that. And and, that, and that's kind of crazy, isn't it? Really, when you think about it, it should set you up. But there's no there's no given that that's going to happen. And that's football. They yeah, won the FA Cup as well. Yeah, 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 they did exactly. I mean, you're absolutely right. But if you'd have said Leicester would then have been relegated, you know, if you, yeah. a couple of years later, a couple you'd, of years, yeah. you'd have thought that's absolutely mad. But that's football for you, though. And, and Leicester, you'll never be able to take that away from Leicester fans now. And you'll never be able to take that away from Leicester's sort of titles. They've won a Premier League title and they've won the FA Cup. And, and yeah, in, mm. in, in the midst of it, they, they did pretty decent the following year in the Champions League as well. So uh, it's one of them hard ones, isn't it? Because we haven't got a crystal ball in front of us. And I think if we had, yeah. I think if you said to me, I think if you said to me, look, we're going to finish in the Champions League this season. Uh, next season, we're going to get through the group stages and get to the knockouts in the Champions League, but we're also still going to finish third in the Premier League table and get Champions League again. I'd probably take that, if I'm being honest with you. I'd, I'd take that over probably winning the FA Cup, just just because I think that I think that would set us up for a bit more sustained success. But you, we, we don't know that. We haven't got that crystal ball. So it, it, football yeah. is impossible to predict. It's impossible to... I mean, look at the draw Newcastle had. I mean, no one would have thought Newcastle would have had a draw like that. It was an incredibly difficult draw. And that's the thing, you see. It's on, it's on look of draws and stuff like that. And so you never can tell. So as I always say, let's just take one game at a time. Let's try and win every single game that's in front of us. It's all you can possibly do. 
And let's just see where it takes us. Yeah, I'm just obsessed by the FA Cup. Whether it's a bit of recency bias, because obviously we, everybody's talking about the FA Cup at the moment. We've just come off a, an FA Cup weekend where a couple of a couple of big sides have gone out, Arsenal. Um, but I, I just absolutely, absolutely love to win it. Um, but yeah, that's that. It's an interesting talking point, isn't it? With with the whole, would you take this? Would yeah. you take that? But I'm I'm glad we sort of went a, a little bit stronger. I mean, we've talked about how strong we could have gone. I'm glad we we basically went full strength at the weekend because it, it shows we, we're fairly serious about it. The, the only thing that I'd talk about is, is the couple of injuries that we've got at the moment. Obviously, Paul Torres wasn't involved. I think that's probably a little bit precautionary. Telemans is the one for me that I'm, I'm a little bit concerned about. Obviously, that's been it's been about a month now, hasn't it? Mm. And it's uh, it's it's annoying because we really missed him. He would have been obviously with Kamara being suspended for three games uh, fairly recently. We have missed someone like a Yuri Telemans, haven't we? Yeah, and, and a big shame really because he was playing really really well. He'd hit. He'd hit some form on that left-hand side, hadn't he? Not even in the defence midfield role where we thought he would be. I mean, he's been playing in that advanced role and he, he really started to pick up his form and he was, you know, getting assists and uh, really, really contributing. And so his injury came at a really bad time for him and for the team, really. He, he's got a calf injury and I think Emery said a few weeks ago he was going to be out for two weeks, but that's ended up being, well, we're now yeah. over a month now. And so you'd hope he's back soon. I mean, there's been no word really on you know, that is the injury is really bad or anything like that. Calf injuries can be quite niggly though, can't they? I've, I've known that in the past, like what you think might be only two weeks can end up being a couple of months and stuff. And so you hope Tielemans is back soon, but yeah, calf injuries can be can be a bit annoying, but you're right. I think, you know, we, we've got, I keep saying it. I think we have got strength in depth this year. I don't. We're not. We're not like at the Man City level or anything like that. But we've got strength in depth, and I think uh, it's shown. You know, we've been able to bring Longley in, etc. But I think if you have Perry Torres, even Luca Dean come back, and also Tielemans, it just makes you feel a lot that bit stronger, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. Especially as it, especially as it starts to get a little bit busier next month as well. Obviously, it's it's not too crucial at the moment because it is going to be a fairly quiet month. Obviously, you'd love to have them. But as it gets a little bit busier, it's going to be nice to have them back. So Watkins, Louise, Diaby on the bench. So you had a couple of big hitters um, on the bench there, which obviously, obviously left a bit of room for someone like a John Duran, who we are going to talk about now. What do you make of all of that then with John Duran? The Instagram stuff at the weekend, how much do you read into that? Obviously, if people don't know, he unfollowed Villa on Instagram and all of his teammates. And then literally a couple of hours later, he'd followed them all back. I know people who are probably a little bit older are just scoffing at that because it is, it's petty, it's stupid, all this Instagram nonsense. What I think I told you in the pub about it, didn't I? You just started laughing. It's a bizarre one, isn't it? Yeah, I, I think on the whole Instagram thing, I mean, I, I don't care about any of that, to be honest. I think we've seen it in the past with footballers. They do this. I mean, I remember when Ben Teke did it at one point, deleted all of his Villa photos off uh, social media, <laughs> and it was like, does it really matter? I don't, none, of, none of that I'm bothered about. I think, you know, part of it is probably a bit of petulance from Duran. He did it earlier on in the season, didn't he, as well, when he removed Yeah, he's his, done it before, yeah. When he removed all of his photos. So it's not even the the first time. Um, what do I think about it? I think I said to you that if he is a bit disillusioned, which it sounds like he is in terms of his, his, the minutes he's getting, I don't really understand that. I think I said to you on Saturday, you know, he's a 19-year-old, 20-year-old lad, come from um, America, not played very much in America, I'll add as well, and he's come to Villa and he's, mm. he's been told he's second in command to a striker who's been second to only Harry Kane within the Premier League in terms of English strikers in the last you know, in the last year or so. And, I, you know, he's in a team that is sitting second in the Premier League in the final 16 of the Conference League and then the fourth round of the FA Cup. He's getting minutes. He's played, he's started yeah. in the Europa Conference League yeah. games and, and now the FA Cup. And he's had minutes in the Premier League as well. Yes, he hasn't started. But I, I just kind of asked the question, I'm not really sure what he would be expecting at that young sort of age. And 
and it's a shame because I think he, he's got talent. He has got talent. Definitely, we've seen it, and he scored some really good goals. I mean, that goal against Palace was an absolute cracker at the start of the season. He puts himself about. I think he's petulant. I do. I think when he comes off, I think I think when he comes on, he's a bit of a loose cannon, and it worries me sometimes. I feel like he's going to get red carded every time he he, he comes on. Um, and you know, I don't mind a bit of that. It's youthful exuberance, isn't it? You know, he comes on and he's 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 looking like he really wants to you know show off and be in the game. And he's got to calm that down a little bit though, because it will throw the arms around. I mean, he probably should have been. Um, you know, we should have been off in that. What, what what was the game? Was it Sheffield United? Was it at, at Villa Park? He probably should have been yeah, sent off in that one if we'd been honest. So I, it's, I find it hard with Duran. I think he's got a lot of talent. Um, I'm not convinced about his uh, his movement up front at the moment. I watched him very closely on Saturday against Middlesbrough, and I think his running off the ball wasn't great. He didn't give the midfielders many options at all, and it was difficult. We had you know they, they, Middlesbrough were playing a very sort of low block sort of system, and we were struggling to really create a lot again, but. Um, yeah, I just I think when Ollie Watkins came on, he just sort of dragged the defenders out a little bit more, and he looked Villa looked a little bit more likely to create something and score. And I think that's when Villa sort of sort of patch in front of goal in terms of creating actually came. When Ollie Watkins came on, he didn't do a massive amount Ollie Watkins either, but I just feel like his movement helped help the team out going forward. And yeah, it's a funny one with Duran. I, I just he's got to he's got to get his head in the game for me, and I think he's got to knuckle down. He's got his head down, and he's. The, all these rumours about him going and being unhappy with the manager and they need to stop for me. They, they just need to stop mm. because it's it's deflecting away from the team. And I think I said to you as well, he cuts a bit of a lonely figure sometimes on the pitch as well. Like you see like players having a go at him and John McGinn was fuming with him on Saturday when he wasn't when he wasn't moving um, as he should have done up front. And then he gets subbed off. He was and, straight down the tunnel as well, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, and he was called back by the subs bench to go and sit back on the bench. And it's all that for me. It's got to stop. You know, we're a team. We're a team who's doing really well in the Premier League and everyone else is so united. Mm. Um, and yet it doesn't feel like it is with John, with, with John Duran. And obviously I'm saying it from an outsider's point of view. And I don't want to, don't want to criticise him too much because he's a young lad and he's, you know, learning his trade and, you know, you're not, you're not, he's not going to be the seasoned professional at only 20. I get it. Um, yeah. But he's second in command, essentially. And so if Ollie Watkins got an injury, he would be starting games for us in the Premier League. And so we got, he's got to find a level of maturity. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with pretty much everything you said there. Obviously, we know he's got abilities. Goals against Hibs, Everton, Leggy Warsaw. That Palace goal was the most Benteke thing I've ever seen before. But there, there's too much noise. There is too much noise. That The rumours about him going to, to AC Milan, whether that is just nonsense. Twitter rumours I'm not sure whether there is something in that I'm not sure I don't think we'd let him go because that would leave us extremely light up front and it would count on Watkins not getting injured obviously he's got a fantastic injury record touch wood um, but again that would leave us incredibly light so I just can't see us letting him go without having somebody lined up and I don't think you're going to get a decent striker in January especially the summer potentially if this continues for another five months it could potentially happen but at the moment I, I just can't see Duran leaving in, in, in January and you talk about his movement and stuff and yeah you, it's not like he's coming in and he's played 200-300 games elsewhere he's coming he's only played about 15-20 games for Chicago Fire in America he's only just turned 20 now so he's still extremely raw we've talked about it a lot and for him Yes, what did you expect coming to the Premier League? Like it's the age old sort of Harry Kane debate, isn't it? When he when he was at Tottenham, who were Tottenham gonna get in as a, a second choice striker who's half decent because they know they're not gonna play? It's the same here. He knows he's not gonna play ahead of Ollie Watkins because we've talked about it before. He's probably the second, potentially third best striker in the Premier League behind Haaland. So it's it's simply not gonna happen. But we know he's got ability. 
because he's got an incredibly good shot on him as well. We've seen that a couple of times. There was one shot in the Borough game, fierce shot, but it's just the noise, isn't it? It needs to stop. It does because it, it deflects away from what's going on. And I think, uh, you know, you, you can tell when I Emery gets frustrated with being asked the questions about it. He doesn't want to talk about it because he, he shouldn't yeah. have to be talking about it at the end of the day. He, he really shouldn't have to be deflecting away from how well his, his team are doing by talking about you know, a bit of petulance from one of his players. He shouldn't have to do it. And look, it is tough. Like, it is tough, but I get it. He wants to play all the time, but he's got to realise where he is. He's not in League One, mm. League Two. He's in the Premier League, playing for the team who's second in the division. You know, you're not going to be playing every week. You're behind Ollie Watkins, who, you know, he's playing for England now. He's who's really has just stepped up so much since, since, since Unai Emery came in. And you're right, it is that kind of Harry Kane argument, isn't it? Like, who's going to come in and, and be happy to play second fiddle to Wally Watkins. And I don't think there's many sort of sort of seasoned pros out there who are going to do that. I mean, there's been speculation in recent weeks about Timo Werner, who looks like he's on the way to Tottenham. But the thing I said the other day, it's totally different with Spurs and Villa because Spurs have got Richarlison, who admittedly recently has hit a hot streak of form. But how inconsistent has he been? How poor has he been before this, this streak of form? Well. It's not exactly, it's not the same as having... Uh, a very high level consistent player like Holly Watkins it's not it's not the mm. same at all Timo Werner weren't going to come to Villa to play second fiddle to Holly Watkins nah. at the end of the day and I think that's what we've got to understand we've got to be realistic about it Villa's system revolves around Holly Watkins it works because Holly Watkins is our striker essentially if Holly Watkins is fit or he's not suspended, he's going to play. You know, that's how it is. Um, and so it's difficult. I don't I don't think Duran's a bad backup. I don't. I, like I say, I think he's got talent. I'm just not sure all this outside noise is helping the team or helping him at the moment. So I hope it calms down. I really do. I, I don't believe too much about these AC Milan rumours, to be honest. I think the, the Italian media seem to build stuff up and then it's it's all over within a day as well. I don't I don't believe a lot of it. I think a lot of the stuff that gets said in the in, in, in the January window and in the, and in the summer just is just a load of rubbish to be honest. I don't I don't think you'll go anywhere. Um and mainly I think that's because I don't think Villa would get what they would want for him. But also secondly I don't think Villa would be able to find an adequate replacement. Yeah. And so that's why I don't think yeah, I think you'll I think he'll be sticking around. And what I will say as well is that he's a different profile of striker, isn't he? He's not the sort of same that's what we were sort of saying with Cam Archer, weren't we, at times? He's sort of similar to Watkins in a way. Duran most certainly isn't. I mean, he touched on what he's like when he comes on the pitch and he's thrown himself around into tackles and whatever gets booked all the times. So you've got them different types of players. We always say that with, with Luca Dina Moreno, don't we? Two types of players that you can sort of play in different games. With You're not going to do that with Watkins and Duran, I understand, but just sort of different types of players. And he is getting minutes as well. What I'd say to him is, look, you're going to get 90 minutes in the FA Cup against Middlesbrough. You perform, who knows, you could get more game time in, in the Premier League, but he is going to get minutes. We've got Europe coming up as well. He is going to get minutes. So go and perform against Middlesbrough, go and perform against Chelsea in a couple of weeks. I just hope he's got that mindset, just like I said there, to go for it and actually try and prove himself. Exactly, he's just got to get his head down. He's working with some, you know, very, very high-level players, and he's working with an incredibly high-level manager and his coaching staff, and so he should be able to improve himself. I think the thing that worries me at the moment is that if Ollie Watkins did get an injury, it would worry me if Duran was leading the line for us in the Premier League. On a, you know, I'm not bothered by one or two games, but if that turned into six, seven, eight games, it would. I think it would really worry me. I don't. I don't think he's at that level at the moment. If I'm being honest. Mm. Um, and that would concern me, to be honest. And so that's why I just desperately wanted to get his head down, and you know, and, and kind of and, and and improve essentially as as a young lad should. That that's what we want him to do. We don't expect him to be, 
the all-round striker already. We don't, but no. we need to remove this noise around around him, and we need to just get him to a point where we think, okay, Ollie Watkins is injured. You know, it's all right though because we've got the young lad Duran, and um, and he's able to come in and score a few goals for us, etc. We need to get to a point like that. Um, I don't think we're quite there yet, to be honest with you. And so that's why the, this age-old debate is going round about do Villa need a striker? Um, and and I, like I say, I just think it's incredibly, incredibly difficult. And I'm not, you know, I say I'm worried about if Watkins got injured, but I don't really have a solution for for that. I don't know what the solution yeah. is. You know, I, I have a feeling we'd even look at playing different systems in terms of Diaby and Bailey and Zaniola and stuff. Mm. I'm not, I'm not even convinced Duran would. Say if, say if Watkins was out for like two months, I'm not even convinced Duran would actually start every game, to be honest with you. I'm, I'm really not convinced by that. Yeah, you'd think he's in the best environment possible as well. Like you said, a side that's second in the Premier League, plenty of game time with the best one of the best managers in the Premier League as well. It doesn't get much better than that. Um, talk about the, the Borough game then. It wasn't the most exciting one in the world. It's the type of game that we're becoming more and more used to, isn't it? Where a side is going to come up against Villa. You've already mentioned the low block thing. It feels like that's going to be the sort of buzzword going into 2024 because sides are sort of learning now that you can't open up against Aston Villa because we will tear you apart. And we have shown as well that we sort of sometimes do tend to struggle against sides who are going to sit deep and potentially nick us on the counter-attack. Which brings me on to talking about a sort of different play in, in Jacob Ramsey, who... I think his game by game has got better since he's come back from injury. There's a lot of talk about him um, on social media after the game, people sort of slagging him off at times, but you've got to think of it as this is his pre-season, is it in a way? And you name me one player who's sort of fit, sharp, ready to go in a pre-season. It just doesn't happen. And that's when players have had three or four, five weeks off. He's had what, five, six, seven months out of the Villa side. So he's not going to come back and be fit and firing just because Villa are in the midst of a season rather than pre-season. This is his pre-season. So he's going to be rusty. He is getting there. Um, but I, th- I think by game by game, he is getting there as well. But it's sort of, I mentioned that low block. Teams didn't do that as much last season and Jacob Ramsey had that space to to run. And that's what he does best, run with the ball into space. You're not going to get that as much this season, are you? No, you're not. And I think and I think teams are going to use that as the template to play against Villa, some, some of the lower teams. They're, they're going to do that because they've seen other teams have a level of success against, you know, against us with it, you know, in, in the likes of Sheffield United, even Bournemouth, uh, Middlesbrough, etc. So, it's good. look, it's going to happen. I think we've got to adapt to that, you know, as a side who... You know, sort of towards the top of the league, we can't be frustrated at that. That's that's how it is. And I've, I've always said when Klopp's moaned about it before, saying there's only two, one team that tr- was trying to win the game. I just think, well, yeah. what's the opposition supposed to do? Just open themselves up and get hammered five six nil. Mm-hmm. Like it, you know, like we, the, the other team's not there to satisfy your needs. That's not that's not what that's not what it's there for. But I think in terms of JJ, I think I think he's been. I think he's got better. I think the last couple of weeks he's got better. I thought he looked like more of himself in the last half an hour against Burnley at home. Um, just before the new year, uh, and I think he showed he was showing signs at Middlesbrough uh, on Saturday. I thought I think he had he had a lot of the ball, didn't he? he had a lot of the ball. I thought he linked up well with Moreno down that left hand side. Um, mm. And I think the one thing that did please me, I was watching the highlights back, um, and towards the end when Middlesbrough had that counter attack, the person that got back and made the tackle. Um, oh, fantastic. To, to sort of finish the game for us, really, and get the win was JJ. You know, yeah. and he'd been running all afternoon, and so 
absolutely no criticism from me. He's been out for a very, very long time. Um, not a mm. not a nice injury sort of thing. It's, I suppose it's one of them injuries where you're a little bit worried about it not happening again, aren't you, kind of thing, when you come back as well. Well, it did happen again, didn't it, in, in the Brighton game? Yeah. He's come back already, hasn't he? Exactly. He's had, yeah, so he's had, um, he's had setbacks. And so... Um, it was always going to take him time to to come back in and readjust. And I think that's hard as well when you've been out of a team for so long and a team who's been doing really well as well. You kind of think, oh, yeah. you know, where am I going to sort of fit in here? So I think he's playing a little bit of a different role at the moment. As you say, teams aren't playing against us like they were last season. So he's adapting. And I think the team's adapting though. Like like we've said, we, we've maybe found it tough at times to break teams down in this low block. But I think it would get better. I thought he was better on Saturday, if I'm being honest. I think the first half was frustrating, definitely. Um, but I thought second half, all of a sudden, we we were finding ways to, to open Middlesbrough up a little bit more. And I think we had more than enough chances, to be honest, in the game uh, eventually to to win the game. And that, that's and I think it, it was all about being patient, wasn't it? And Matty Cash said that after the game. He said that the manager... Uh, said before the game, he, he was saying that you know the goal might not come till the 85th, 86th minute, etc. He said you need to be patient, um, mm. and that's kind of what happened in the end. I think the pressure, the pressure told in the end, and I think we went away with a deserved win. And I think Middlesbrough put up a good fight. They didn't get on the front foot very much. A lot of the ball was played inside their own half. So I think eventually the pressure told, and you know Villa, Villa got the win. It wasn't, it wasn't brilliant. It wasn't exhilarating. It wasn't easy on the eye at times, but. I thought it was a fairly, fairly comfortable performance, to be honest. Yeah, just going back to JJ, I think it's it's sort of similar. It's not just a, a physical battle that he's going to have getting back to fitness, but it's going to be mental as well. Obviously, we've already talked about it where he's already come back from injury and then he's had it again. It's always going to be in the back of your mind, isn't it? But I think he is getting sharper and it's not just him that's going to have to adapt his game because the teams are lining up against us. It's as a team as well. Good teams always adapt because yeah. sides are going to sort of work you out to an extent. Um, like you just touched on then in the second half, we did create a couple more clear-cut chances. Conza hit the post, didn't they? I think Moreno fired over at the back post from a set piece. Again, we had plenty of corners, didn't we, in front of that Villa away end. Zaniolo had a very decent effort as well. I think Villa had uh, 12 corners all in all in the game. So what were you thinking with 10 minutes to go? Were you sort of thinking, oh God, it's going to be a replay at Villa Park here? Because I was a little bit and nobody wanted that, do they? Yeah, I don't know. I know I heard a few people saying talking about replays around us, but... I don't know, you know. I actually, I, gen- I genuinely still had faith that we were going to score. I think, I think with the with the amount of ball that we had and the and we did have chances in the end. Obviously, Moreno probably should have had a penalty yeah. as well. And Moreno had that chance at the back post. Zaniolo, uh, McGinn had that shot really well saved from the keeper. Conza hits the post. We had chances. We definitely had chances. We had more than enough to win. And I just think yeah. I, I don't know. I had it in my head. I thought I think I think the pressure will tell eventually. Um, even on eighty, even on eighty four, eighty five minutes, I was thinking. I think I still think it's going to come one way or another, and yeah, it did. And I was relieved to avoid the replay. I thought we, did, I, I still thought we deserved to win the game. People, people, some people will expect us to go out and win three, four nil just because they're a championship team. Nah. But yeah, they're in the League Cup semi final this week. Middlesbrough, are. it's not, yeah. it's not a given that we go there and absolutely trounce them. And they set up, they set up to frustrate us. And I thought. But we managed that fairly well. They were never really massive danger, and we controlled the ball, and eventually we got the goal. And so, yeah, I wasn't overly worried, and I think we came out of it with what we got, you know, what what we deserved in the end. Yeah, it was always Villa pushing it. Obviously, Matty Cash scores the winner in the 87th minute. I was going to say what a goal it was, but it's a nasty deflection, isn't it? I think the the shot is going the other side of the goal, and I've watched the goal back on on my footage, and it feels like it takes an absolute age to go in that bottom corner, and the sheer relief from the players is is top class. I think from the away end as well but it took a good old age to get in the goal that did yeah it wasn't pretty was it but it was one of them one of them ones that 
you know, you don't shoot, you don't score sort of thing. And I think at times we, you know, we've been guilty a little bit of that of trying to walk in at times. Um, and I always say, sometimes you just need to have a go, don't you? You just, you just don't know what will happen. And um, yeah, it was one of them. The corner routine. I don't. I'm not. I'm not really sure they were. I saw. I saw. Um, was it, I remember it was Casual Conzer in the in the interview after the game. They were talking about how you know they'd practice that the set piece routine on the training ground and stuff. And I thought, I'm not convinced about that. If, if you look at it, the pass was massively <laughs> overhit into uh, oh, into that. Douglas yeah. Louise, wasn't it? And uh, he manages to roll it to cash. And yeah, it's not a. Uh, it's not the best of strikes, but look, it was on. It was in the area where it needed to be, and obviously it took a, um, a a massive deflection. It probably wasn't great from a Middlesbrough point of view, really. When you see it, the mm. player was sort of he sort of side on there, wasn't he? He didn't really throw himself into it, um, which they'd have been a little bit disappointed about. But yeah, we got the goal and we got the win, which was all important. Yeah, great scenes in that away end as well. The Matchy Cash song was going on for a good while. Probably the best player song we've got. I love the. Um... Coutinho song but obviously it's annoying when you've got such a good song for a player but they're pretty bang average on the pitch I think the Cash song went absolutely wild at Arsene Altmaier as well it was just constant 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 and he's one of them that just keeps going I think for me it's probably one of the the best player songs because it's quite unique as well obviously football clubs love to to nab songs off each other and that's just the way it goes but I think that one's pretty unique I loved it the weekend Yeah, yeah, I love that. Yeah, I love that song, and uh, yeah, they sent the the Villa fans into raptures, didn't it? And uh, yeah, really, really, really good scenes at the end, bouncing, wasn't it? As the players came over, so yeah, really, really good. Just a couple of other bits on the game. Then nice to see Kamara back, wasn't it? Obviously, been out for for three games. It's felt like a bloody long time as well. It's great to see him back, and thought he was very good at the weekend. Yeah, exactly, and I think it shows you how. Sometimes he's a bit underrated, Kamara, I think. I think sometimes we forget how good he really is and um especially in terms of receiving the ball from the defenders. He does he takes that role on so well and other I mean, we saw in the Man United away game over Christmas, like when Dendonka tried to do yeah. that role, it just didn't really work, did it? Especially in the second <laughs> half. The final half an hour we were struggling because we didn't have that sort of outlet in midfield to get our foot on the ball and calm it down like Kamara does. He just what he does, he does so well. Um and I think he's a He's a vital cog in that Villa team, and I think I think I think the role he's got alongside Douglas Louise, with them two, their, their two partnership is absolutely like brilliant, and they they just complement each other so well, don't they? So yeah, good to have Kamara back, but no more silly red cards, please, because it it it, it <laughs> probably cost us a little bit over the Christmas period. Yeah, I'm sure he's learned his lesson um, definitely, and it's it's nice that he had a bit of a rest as well. Obviously, if you're going to sort of take any sort of benefit from it, it's nice that he had a bit of a rest over Christmas, whether he uh, wanted that or not, I'm not sure. Um, but obviously, Villa into the fourth round for the first time in eight years, an absolutely stinking record. Obviously, we've talked about it already. Chelsea are waiting for us in the fourth round, but that's the on-field matters. Uh, let's get into the fun stuff, the off-field matters. Last week, I got home from work, went on my phone, and in the group chat, someone had posted a link to the government website saying new Villa badge. I was like, what's going on here? The new badge has been trademarked on uh, the government website. Whether it will actually go on to be the official badge, I'm not too sure, because yes, you can trademark a badge, but that's not totally, totally official, is it? But um, what were your initial thoughts to that being released? Um... Do you know what? I don't even know where to start. To be honest with you, <laughs> um, I think I think you know my feelings really well, and, I, and I'm going to try and not 
uh, be too um, be too harsh or critical. You can be honest. You can be honest. <clears throat> when you first saw it, you can be honest. Um, I thought it was absolutely terrible. If I'm being honest, with you. I thought it was. <laughs> I, I genuinely did. I thought it was. I thought it was a joke. I thought it was like a. I thought it was another mock up that someone had had done. To yeah. be honest, um, it's. I just can't believe. I just. I'm, I'm actually lost for words a little bit because I just. I just think. I, I just think I don't know where that that has come from. I think we've heard all the all this all the noise and stuff from from Chris Heck and Chris Heck's interview the other week. He was talking about how um, how. You know, he's he's gone through another robust consultation process, um, and mm-hmm. this is what the fans want. And um, you know, Villa fans have been loud and clear in terms of what they want, and we should be really excited about what's to be coming on the kit next season. Mm-hmm. And then when I see that, I think, well, that's not what Villa fans want, though. And and I think Villa fans made that inherently clear in the last consultation process, um, which which culminated in us having that round badge. Now. Whatever you think about that round badge, that was that was the the badge that seventy seven percent of the people that voted voted for. It's 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 a matter of personal opinion, isn't it? And obviously, Chris Heck came in and didn't he didn't like that. He didn't think that was whatever the reason is. We we're never really given a reason, were we? Let's be honest. It's all been very hush hush. We we just assume that he doesn't think it's good on a sort of marketing basis or advertising basis, whatever. But we were we've been sort of shunted into this another process, which I don't think any of us really wanted. Um I don't I don't know how many votes the the, the second consultation got. I would hazard a guess that it probably didn't get as many as the first consultation did because it didn't go on near, no, nowhere near as long as the first one did. Uh, and we don't know it's going to be the badge, but there's a likelihood it might be, and it's culminated in 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 a badge which has gone totally against what the results were of that original consultation, and mm. and um, you know it's gone back to the Randy Lerner badge kind of thing, just moved about a little bit the 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 name of the club on the bottom and the the lion pushed up a little bit and and just a slightly different shape of shield, but it's inherently the same sort of badge as the Randy Lerner badge, and I just. I'm a bit confused by it. I'm a little bit confused by it purely because we've been told that we've been told that we're going through a robust consultation and this is what the fans wanted. Now, I don't get where that's coming from because if you look at the figures of the original consultation, you know, when we when we voted for the round badge, there was 21,500 people who voted, which is a fairly large chunk of people. 77% of people voted for that round design. 23% voted for that gas lamp. And only eight percent voted to keep the Randy Lerner badge. Now, how have we now then gone? You know, however long a year on, and we're now introducing a badge which is pretty pretty much the same as the Randy Lerner badge. I don't, I... More stats on that as well. Nineteen percent of people liked the current shield shape. This was on the initial one, the initial consultation when we ended up with the circle one. So nineteen percent of people liked the current shield shape, and to make the lion claret and make the badge yeah. predominantly claret and blue. Yeah. So how they've ended up with that, I've got no idea. But then there's other things as well. So from the Randy Lerner badge, um, the feedback was from the supporters that the Randy Lerner badge did not represent Villa well. There was, they felt no emotional attachment to that badge. Um, they didn't feel the lion was was representative of Aston Villa. They didn't think it was a rampant lion. They said the colours were fundamental, as was the name to have on the badge. And, and in terms of the colours, they were talking about the yellow on the baby blue background did not represent the club at all. And so I don't understand how we've come back full circle back to this i mean I, you know i'm a little bit biased because i was never a fan of the randy learner badge i thought it was poor a poor effort if i'm being honest um I'd, I'd never liked the color scheme i think if you look at all the clubs in the premier league especially how many clubs have got colors which we don't even play in 
you know, we, we're not, we don't play in yellow and blue. We, you know, we were Aston Villa, yeah. we're playing Claret and blue. And if you yeah. take one look at Villa's badge, that badge I'm talking about, and the and the proposed newish one, well, you wouldn't even know, would you? Um, if you weren't a, a football fan or a Villa fan, you wouldn't even know, would you? You'd think, oh, they must play in yellow. And I just, I just think it looks poor. I, I don't think it looks good. Um, I think it look. I think this proposed one looks fairly amateurish. I don't know whether a design agency has actually done it because I think it looks very in house. If you ask me, um, it's been turned around very quick. And I mean, we've gone back to the. The, the really weak and meek and mild looking lion, even though you know, we said that we were moving away from the reason why we were changing the badge anyways, because we we're moving away from, you know, a really poor era in Aston Villa's history. And yet we're going to go back to it with the wrong colours again, the wrong lion, the font looking poor on the bottom. It just looks amateur. Um, the white star just again because it's on that uh, light blue background, it just fades into insignificance. In, in Do you reckon I'm uh, clutching at straws by saying we've only seen a screenshot of it on a, a government website? We don't know how it's going to look on kits, etc., etc. It's sort of a, a, a bitty sort of screenshot as well. It's not a clear 4K image on a kit, whatever. Is that clutching? Uh, to, to try and be balanced a little bit, I don't think it would be the worst badge I've ever seen. I'll put that out there. I, I don't. <laughs> yeah. Hey, get I don't. <laughs> I don't think it'd be the worst badge I've ever seen, and so they might think, "Oh yeah, it, it will do." But that for me is not good. You know, it's not if good you're enough. going through no. two two robust processes, apparently, why are we ending up with a badge which is very universally disliked? I mean, if you look on the reaction on social media on all the Villa forums in the last uh, last week or so since it's come out. The reaction has been very poor. And I know people would say, well, you're not an expert on, you know, marketing, uh, design, et cetera, et cetera. And totally agree. No, I'm not. But, you know, my, my biggest issue is with it is that don't tell the supporters then that they are fundamental in, in this choice of a new badge. Just just be honest and say, we don't want your opinion. We, we, we're just going to use a, an expert agency because we, we, don't, we, don't, we don't need a fan opinion on this. We, we don't want a fan opinion on, on this. But what has been said throughout this whole process is that the fans are going to have their voice. The fans are going to have their voice. Now, in terms of the round badge, that's exactly what happened. The, the round badge was presented to us alongside that gas lamp one, and it was voted for the round badge. And it was implemented, fair play to the, the hierarchy at the time it was implemented. Now, obviously, Perslow was being moved down. Chris Heck came in. Um, but that interview, but Chris Heck did the first interview that he gave to Villa TV, which is only last month uh, in December, he talks about how this this new crest is what the supporters wanted and the supporters have had a massive input into it, et cetera, et cetera. And the thing is, it, it might not end up being the badge it is, but I think I think that's been the I think that's been the um the aim though, because at the fan advisory board that was apparently the badge that was presented to them. I've probably seen about fifteen or twenty different iterations which are better than that badge that appeared on that, on that trademark website yeah. and that you're right that is concerning for me and, I've, and I do feel strongly about it people say well why are you moaning because you're second in the league you know you're doing the team are doing so well that this isn't the biggest thing to be worried about and I say yeah but what if we weren't doing well would I, would would people be allowed to, to express their concern then is that is that how it works like to me it's totally separate and and a club shouldn't be changing its crest every year or two or three years this should define villa now for the next 20 30 40 years and that's why if we end up with this i don't know very quickly put together little effort badge i, I just i just find it disappointing and, I, and like i say i find the rhetoric from 
Chris Heck and the club who are saying that the fans have had a massive amount of input into this. I find that ridiculous because there's no way that there's no way that this is what Villa fans want. Yeah, and I understand the argument of some people online have just said I, I couldn't care less. The badge doesn't affect uh, anything on the pitch, so it, it doesn't really matter. Which is totally fair enough. If that's your opinion, absolutely more than fair enough. But it's it's the face of the club. It's it's meant to. That's what's going to identify you. People see that they think Aston Villa. So the whole the whole badge being yellow and blue in your face with a little bit of claret. There's an extra border on there. The drop shadow is is really really bizarre on the line. I don't know what the point of that is. And he talks about they could have just gone. Oh, screw the fans. We're just going to go and make the the, the badge anyway on on our grounds with the professional graphic designers, whatever. There's an FA rule saying no club should make any material changes to its club crest without first undertaking a thorough and extensive consultation with its supporters. Yeah. Now, I don't think there has been one with the, the second alteration. And what I'd also say is that clubs' kits, obviously, for the 24-25 season, Villa aren't going to wait until April and think, oh, we better make next season's kits. They'll have been done a long time ago. They'll already be ready to go with whoever the, the kit manufacturer is. They'll be ready to go now. So that's what's a little bit weird with me with the badge because it's still all up in the air. And if this isn't the one we're going to go for... What is because the kits should be ready to go for next season. I think I think the thing that disappoints the thing that disappoints me the most in this whole thing was that we okay the, the second consultation phase that we had. Um, I remember I remember completing it. Now it asked you whether you were did, did you like the round shape or did you prefer a shield etc. I'm quite happy that that the results were that it was to be a shield. I'm not bothered about that and that that's absolutely fine. The thing that I don't like about it though was that nowhere did it say about changing the lion back. To, to the Randy Lerner one. Nowhere did it say about changing the um the the, the, the colour of, of the lion back to yellow on a on a on a baby blue background. Nowhere did it say that. Mm. And that's I, I I thought I thought that this second process was gonna go hand in hand with the first process and it and those two results were gonna can be combined to yeah. to finally create the badge that Aston Villa are going to be moving forward with now for the next 20, 30 years as Villa approach their 150th birthday next year and that is what i was of the understanding was going to happen and i don't and i don't think that has happened personally and i think what you've just read out there about fa rules i think they've they've that they've had to say that this is what the fans want the fans are being consulted and yes we've been consulted but i don't think the results have been construed in the way that they should be i think i think what you said there about yeah it's maybe not as important to some people yeah it might not be but to others it is important though you know i remember as a kid like you know, growing up supporting Villa and you know as a kid you take your piece of paper and your crayons out and I remember the first thing I used to draw was the Villa Shield I remember that <laughs> I remember that because I was absolutely obsessed as a kid and I bet your kids across the land still do that today um, for every football club that they support and I just it feels crazy that that's the badge that they're going to be drawing for the next uh, however many years. If that if that it's does just, come it's out, just, it's just so similar to the last one. It's like, what's the point? We what's voted point? against the shield. Yep. It's the same shield. It's it's not a right angle. It's just a slightly bigger angle with a curved top. It's no longer AVFC. It's Aston Villa, which yes we voted for, and it's now on the bottom. Eighteen seventy four is on there as well, but it's it's just so similar. It looks like a, a, a sort of knockoff. If, if Pez didn't have the rights to the Premier League, that's what the Villa badge would be. Slightly different, but you can still tell that it's Aston Villa. It's it's basically the same, and it's just bizarre. And fair play to Mild Man said, who are sort of going out and pushing the fact that they don't think that, that Villa followed those FA rules. Villa are trying to probably get a loophole by saying, yes, we did, but they're not following those things that we came back with. The facts and figures back that up, because everything that Villa fans said they didn't want, that badge is. It's bizarre. 
And that's it. And and I and I come to the point of why are we if if that's the badge we're gonna go with, why are we even changing it from the original Randy Learn? I'm like, what's what's the point? Yeah, I'm just disappointed. I know there's more I know there's bigger fish to fry, I know there's more important things going on, but I do think it's important to to raise raise these things to be honest, because it is, as you said, it's the thing that identifies your football club. Um, and I, I don't think they've got it right. Yeah, absolutely. And with this sort of thing, obviously, each person is going to have a massively different opinion. And that's that's just ours. So if yours differs, if you don't care, that's absolutely fine. Like It's totally understandable. Um, it's just our, our opinions on, on the badge there. So uh, yeah, it's going to be an interesting one to see if that does actually come to fruition, whether that is going to be on the kits, whether we are going to see that around the stadium. It's going to be interesting, but we'll move on. Quick January chat. I don't think there's too much to talk about. I think it's going to be fairly quiet. I don't think we're going to see too much um, this January. And we both said to each other loads of times before, don't really like January. It's full of nonsense. It's full of reporting on players that if you just use an ounce of sense, they're never going to come to Villa. I think it's going to be quiet. Yeah, yeah, I do. I think... um... I think it's unlikely that a lot's going to get done. Um, and I think that's for a few reasons, really. I think, A, the players who would be coming in need to improve on what we've already got. And I think that's difficult in January. On the money side of it, you've got to try and find value for money. And I'm not sure, you, again, you do find that in January. I think if we did do anything, I think it would be in the in the zone of like a Alex Moreno kind of signing who you've yeah. not maybe heard of them or they're, you know, they're, they're, they represent sort of good value. I think on the FFP side of things as well, I, think Villa, I don't think Villa have got a massive amount of wriggle room, if I'm being honest. I think the summer showed that, how we had to balance the books by selling the likes of Archer, Philogene, Aaron Ramsey. I don't think the club would have really wanted to have done that, but they kind of had to do that, I think. Um, so I don't think there's massive wriggle room either. Um, I think there's some, don't get me wrong, I don't think we're literally over, over the you know the line or with teeter on the edge or anything like that, but I think it's, I think it's fairly tight. Um so I wouldn't expect too much. I think we'd love a right back. We'd love another attacker. I don't. I, w- I wouldn't expect too much if I'm being honest. And I think if I was gonna if I was gonna put money on it, I'd say I don't think we'll bring anybody. And this is, is is what I'd put my money on. Yeah, I've said already before on a previous podcast that sort of Alex Moreno signing in January is the sort of blueprint. Someone that isn't a, a massive name. Someone that isn't coming in from a different Premier League club. So isn't going to have massive wages for an inflated fee in in January. So it's sort of like a panic sign and nothing like that. An absolute bargain. It turns out to be a, a bit of a gem that'll be the dream obviously if we can get a right back who's sort of in the same sort of mold that'll be amazing obviously up front could potentially do with with a little bit of reinforcement there i've already talked about duran keep an eye on him until the summer um but yeah i think the majority of the the work that needs to be done is probably going to be in the summer unless something comes up um just finishing the podcast then we'll we'll look a little bit at the league table and obviously villa's fixtures in the next couple of weeks league table obviously is looking very very decent villa sitting second in the league obviously everybody's played 20 games apart from manchester city on 19 and they're two points behind us it's not bad, is it, mate? Sitting in January, the second half of the season, second in the league, we can't complain. Well, I mean, we can complain about the badge, but um, on-field matters, can't complain. No, exactly. And that's the thing, you know, being being absolutely balanced in, in this is that we're doing absolutely incredible on the pitch and it's a great time to be a Villa supporter. And um, it made me laugh because I noticed it came up on my, my memories today um, that, well, it was my brother actually he put it in our group chat, our family group chat, and he said, "Remember this? Eleven years ago today, we uh, we lost away at Bradford in the League Cup semi final first oh, leg. Wow! And it was <laughs> and it was possibly the worst away performance and the worst away game I've ever been to. And so when I look at that, eleven years ago, I think, wow, if I was second in the Premier League table, um, we're having all these incredible away days around the UK, around Europe. We're in the final sixteen of the Conference League, fourth round of the FA Cup now after Saturday, and so." Yeah, it's uh, we've done remarkably well in the first half of the season. I'm just uh, 
I'm just, I'm really excited to see how how we do in the second half. I think it's going to get tough. I do. I think you're going to have the likes of Man City. You're going to ramp up now. I noticed Doku and Kevin De Bruyne came back on the weekend for them, um, which will make things interesting. I think they'll turn into the machine that they always are. But you know what? I don't think they've ever been in this kind of position though, where we've you know we've given ourselves such a big advantage though. Like if you look back at the Martin O'Neill year, uh, years when we were sort of threatening in that towards that top four. Um, we never had an advantage like we have got at the moment. And so yeah. it'll be really interesting to see. Obviously, we've still got to have a bit of luck on our side in terms of injuries, get some players back, hopefully steer clear of any more big injuries kind of thing. Um, and we'll see where we are. But we've we've been really consistent in this last uh, year, really. Yeah, in this last year, we've been really, really consistent. And so if Villa continue that, then they'll be in a, a good place at the end of the season with the hopefully we'll, we'll have reached... Maybe an aim of ours is to win a trophy and the other aim is to finish in the Champions League. That would be the absolute ideal scenario, wouldn't it? And um, I think if you look at the the respective home and away sort of tables and we sit top of the league for the home table, we sit seventh for the away table, which is pretty good really, isn't it? By averages, that's pretty good. And so if you could keep that up for the second half of the season, which I know that's going to be tough, but if you could do that for the second half of the season, then Villa would undoubtedly be finishing in the Champions League spot and so yeah it's going to be uh, it's going to be interesting it's going to be well it's going to be a mad few months at Villa Park really isn't it I just uh, I'm absolutely buzzing for it actually just thinking about it just thinking imagine we are in this race come April come May with these home games at Villa Park just imagine that like we're in the race for Champions League football and we've got you know we're, we're really up there we're still being consistent I just think that would be absolutely remarkable so yeah bring it on I can't wait to see what 2024 brings and obviously we've got the excitement about the uh, the conference league as well so yeah absolutely buzzing it's a great great time to be a Villa fan at the moment like forget the moans about the badge that, that that's all separate to what's going on on the field like yes. we've all got our we've all got our little moans and groans about other elements of what's going on at the club if if there are any and yeah yeah there, there might be some but that's totally separate to what what the team are doing on the field and that is absolutely remarkable at the moment you've got your eye on that uh, last home game of the season against liverpool the old guard of honor for villa uh, liverpool uh, second villa top of the league win the league uh, the game previous and then liverpool give us a guard of honor for the last home game that's the way it's going to go <laughs> yeah well that's the ideal scenario we might be forgetting about manchester city and all this but uh, who but but yeah and then we can all have a, we can all have a party at palace on last game of the season we'll all get fancy dress we'll already have won the league and uh, just be a massive party that's that's why i'm I genuinely on. think life would just peak if villa won the league I, I don't i don't think there'd be room for anything else after that to be honest with you i just think you might as well rip up your season ticket just rip up your season ticket what's the point got, what is the that's point it. it's gone now like, I, I gen, gen, i'm just thinking like it's it's a stupid really to think like this in january but i'm just thinking like if we were literally in contention on that final home game against liverpool to win the title i genuinely think i'd be being sick in my seat in the north stand i don't i don't know if i could handle it you know i thought the brighton game at home last season when we were trying to get conference league yeah. was bad enough but imagine that. Just imagine that. Like, might probably won't happen. But just imagine that. It'd be absolutely ridiculous. Well, yeah, imagine that winning the league, and then you've got an FA Cup final and Conference League final to come as well. How are you going to cope? Well, I probably wouldn't. That's the thing. I probably wouldn't. I'd probably, <laughs> I'd probably be left in Athens or something on at the Conference League final. I probably wouldn't make my way back or something because I'd be just that. I'd be that elated. Oh, yeah. Jesus Christ. Anyway, uh, fixtures coming up. Then we'll just have a brief, brief look at this Everton on Sunday. Looking forward to that. It's probably going to be our penultimate time potentially going to Goodison. Always, always love going there. And then I'll see Newcastle rocking up to Villa Park under the lights. It's an interesting couple of games coming up and then going into February, uh, Sheffield United away. But some big games against some classic traditional clubs. Looking forward to it. Big games and they're, they're exactly what you want to be in. Everton, have, well, they have been decent up until the last couple of fixtures. Mm. Um, so it'll be a tough place to go. But 
Good record against Everton. I'd, I'd still back us to go there and, and get something out of the game. And then Newcastle back at Villa Park again. They've not been in brilliant form. And so, yeah, you fancy us against anybody at Villa Park. So, yeah, bring them on. All big games coming, really. Like we said in December, this is these are the games you want to be involved in, these really big games. And so, yeah, buzzing for it. Um, can't wait. Absolutely. Thank you, everyone, for tuning into the podcast. I know it's been the first one for a couple of weeks, so thank you uh, for returning and listening to the show. Plenty to come up over the next few weeks or so. Looking forward to going back uh, weekly with the podcast. Please do leave a review if you have enjoyed them. Like I said, whether that's on Spotify, Apple, wherever it is, and please do subscribe so you never miss any more going forward. Have a good rest of your week. We'll speak after the Everton game and up the villa. (laughs) 